Welcome to Poppin' the Lid on all things real estate with Tina Miller-Lite and Sherry Anhauser-Busch. Your place to tune in every Thursday, Thursday and learn all about the home buying and selling process in a fun and lighthearted manner. Happy Thursday, Thursday, everybody. It's Sherry Anhauser-Busch and Tina Miller-Lite. Today we're going to be talking about market challenges for today's buyers. Yes, we've got a lot of good information that we've compiled. Maybe that'll help some of you buyers out there that are a little confused on what is available to you and what, what is affordable. Um, we'll start off by a few statistics. Um, we got this information off of the National Association of Realtors. Um, we, we wanted to try and bring some more local information in, but uh, we've been, um, our local MLS has been down for, I don't know, how long has it been down? Two weeks? Uh, yeah, it seems like two weeks. And it's not just our local one, but any MLS that is connected to Rapatoni. So they got hacked. So it's really hard for us to pull some local numbers for you, but we do have some national numbers for you um, that we were able to get from NAR. Yeah, and I think it's pretty interesting when you look at it in a, um, in, in a national level. Um, even though you hear on the news that there's you know low inventory, not a lot of homes available, it's pretty interesting to look at the statistics. Um, according to the National Association of Realtors, based on the pace of home sales right now, just over 4 million homes will sell this year in 2023. So, I mean, that's still a lot of homes that are on the market, a lot of homes that are in transaction, that are being sold. If you wanna break it down, you know, that number down by how many homes are selling each day, 11,397 homes are selling each day in the nation. That's feels like an insane amount of homes. It does, it does. And then if you wanna break it down by the hour, 475 homes are selling every hour of the day. So it, I think that is a great indication that we're still selling homes. Uh, the market, even though there's not as, as much inventory, it hasn't really slowed that much. And, um, want to encourage our buyers to still get out there and I, I don't know about you Sherry but I see that there's still a good amount of buyers out there pre-approved ready to go looking putting offers in um, and it's just there's two different kinds of buyers right now we've got your we've got your first-time home buyers which we've talked we've been talking a lot about first-time home buyer programs over the course of the last month, we've brought in um, a lender yeah. and talked about what programs are out there. It is a little tougher for home first-time home buyers right now because of the high interest rates, higher interest rates, and the increased uh, value of homes. Home prices have increased over the last year. Yeah. So um, it is a little bit tougher for your first-time home buyers that were anticipating, you know, last year maybe to purchase a home, let's say at you know a four hundred or four hundred fifty thousand dollar home. 
now with the interest rates as high as they are, that might seem a little bit of outreach, reach, you know, of an out, out of reach, out of reach price for a lot of those first-time home buyers. So they're having to kind of re reassess and you know um, what they can afford, and maybe they've dropped their price what they're looking for now down into the mid threes, you know. Um, and according to a couple of articles that I've read recently, you know, the national medium home price last year was, or actually this year, um, no, last year was 402,600. And um, the typical single family home now, a mortgage payment, was is going to you know at that price point at four hundred two thousand is typically going to cost two thousand and fifty one dollars on your monthly mortgage payment compared to a year ago when the interest rates were a little lower um, your payment would have been a couple hundred dollars less than that so when we're talking about affordability and what people can afford now versus what they could have afforded a year ago because of the in increase in interest rates they're going to be paying a couple hundred dollars more for that same home price yeah so that obviously drops the amount of home that you can purchase yeah so we're seeing a lot more upswing in those home prices in our area especially that fall under the four hundred thousand dollar range more typically like 350 to 400 we're seeing a higher upswing in um, offers on those those price of homes right that's definitely a competitive market right now and um, i feel like that is typical for the market what am i trying to say right now well like <laughs> for example we've seen some offers that some homes in that price range that have had how many offers like 30 something offers oh yeah one of our on co-workers yeah. yeah that that particular price point is going to be the price point that some of these well first-time home buyers when they come in that's kind of their entry level and that entry level price point continues to rise right and we are seeing multiple offers still on that price point right and in order to if you know we, what we could do as well in order to help our buyers afford a home that is a little bit higher in price than that is from what i understand and what i've experienced is sellers there are some sellers out there that are still offering to you know assist a home buyer in getting into the home like maybe purchase buying down their interest rates right um, offering other things, you know, depends on the seller situation. If they need to sell their home, um, then they are still willing to work with buyers on um, helping them get into the home. Right, offering to pay down closing costs. I just had one where sellers offered them a, a buy down rate, so that was good. Yes, and I think it's important to note that you know as we've been talking over the last couple months during all this you know time period here where we're seeing the higher interest rate is it's don't wait don't wait to buy and what do you always say sherry buy when you can afford it yep best time to yes. buy a house is when you can afford it it's hard to time the market because a lot of people that thought it was a bad time to buy last year 
Yeah, look at, yeah. Look at where it's even, you know, now they're probably thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I should have bought last year when the interest rates weren't as high as they are now. Yeah, what were they last year? Five, six. Yeah. Six percent. And you're like, oh, I'm going to wait till the interest rates drop. Well, they only got higher. Yeah. Um, you know, we are predicting them to go down at some point, but not significantly. Right. And you can refinance when those rates do eventually drop. Yes. But we don't know what they're going to drop to. But the point remains, the best time is going to be when you can afford that house. Yes. And, you know, honestly, first-time home buyers are challenging, are facing challenges right now in the housing market where there's fewer homes available for sale, the asking prices are more expensive, and the interest rates have climbed, you know, past some, some sometimes past 7.1%. Um, so... Just keep those things in mind when you're working with your buyers or as a buyer, if you're working with your agent um, for first-time home buyers, there are programs out there if you can get qualified for them. Work with your lender. Don't give up on the market. There's plenty of homes that are selling that are on the market. And um, just you know, come up with a plan. Your agent, your realtor should be able to explain to you you know, if this is, it might be a little tight right now, your affordability, but if you make the sacrifice now, you know, when interest rates do drop a little bit, you know, refi and get your payments down a couple hundred dollars a month. All right. So what about home buyers that are also home sellers? Ah, so a little bit different there. They definitely have um, some equity. Yes. Some of them might have a lot of equity. And here's the thing, you've got some home buyers that maybe have purchased their homes years ago when they had a good interest rate, or maybe they had you know, an average interest rate or a higher interest rate than we're seeing now, but they purchased it so long ago that they've paid it off. Mm-hmm. So imagine all the equity now that they have in that home. Or if they did buy, you know, at certain points where they had a low interest rate, they've got a significant amount of equity in their home now. So those buyers probably are sitting on the fence right now thinking, you know, do I want to sell my home right now? Do I want to get into a higher mortgage um, interest rate? And our advice to you is look to see what kind of equity you have in your home before you make any kind of decisions because you probably have more purchase power than you realize. Yeah, if you're sitting on a couple hundred thousand dollars of equity, then that interest rate, you know, isn't going to matter as much as someone who's coming in as a first-time home buyer that doesn't have that equity. So you can buy down. You're in a better position. You can buy down that rate sum. You're you're Equity is going to really work for you in this situation. And some home buyers even have enough equity that, depending on their situation, you might be able to pay cash. Yeah. And maybe you're not even, well, maybe you have. Imagine what a great place to be. Yeah. If you have enough equity that you might not even have to make a contingent offer, you might not have to sell your existing home before you buy another one. 
So that's when a realtor's going to come in, a good realtor, and be able to tell you how much equity you have in your home to put you in the best position to move forward. Yes, and just a note for those that um, don't maybe quite understand the definition of what equity means. Equity is the current value of your home, which your realtor can um, advise you on, minus whatever you owe on a loan on the home. So let's say your home might be valued at 400,000 and you still owe 200,000 on your mortgage loan. So the equity that you have in your home is now 200,000. So when you go to sell your home, you end up with, you know, once the mortgage is paid off, you would have roughly 200,000, maybe a little less because you've got to consider what it would take what it would cost to sell your home. But that would be a nice chunk of money to now put towards down on another home and you could, you know, potentially it would reduce your new mortgage amount. Um, maybe leave you with no mortgage amount, maybe be able to pay cash, full cash, or bring down your mortgage payments enough to where it is the same amount you're paying now or even less. And you could also take that uh, large sum of equity as a uh, down payment to buy down points on your interest rate. So, um, getting your interest rate down and your payments down. So for those of you that do have, have equity in your homes and you're considering upsizing, up buying, upgrading, you know, there's a lot of different terms for it. Um, this would be a great opportunity and time for you to start looking into that as well. I'm looking at this chart that you gave me. 68.7% have paid off their mortgage and have at least 50% equity yeah so Americans that are sitting sitting on tremendous amount of equity 68% of you have paid off your mortgage and have at least 50% equity that doesn't really make sense does it 68.7% have paid off their mortgage or, or have, have it yeah yeah no it makes sense 50%. okay so 68% of Americans have either paid off their mortgage or have at least 50% equity so, I mean, that's roughly, you know, 70% have a tremendous amount of equity right now. Once you sell your house, you can, like we said, use that equity to help with your next purchase. 31.3% of people have less than 50% equity. If I'm reading this, it's kind of hard to to read this because the gray areas kind of all look the uh, same yeah. but looking at the graph and I know you guys can't see what we're seeing here so we have three numbers a 38.7 percent a 31.3 percent and a 30 percent and so the way I'm no I think I read this backwards it's hard with the the areas of the gray so I think 30 percent if people have mortgage homes with more than 50% equity, then the next darkest one's going to 31. be with the 31.3. 31.3% of mortgage homes with less than 50% equity and 38.7% of people own the home free, free and clear. clear. Okay, so, so now this graph yes. makes sense. So out of 100%, 
Um, Americans, 38% um, of you own your home free and clear. So if you've ever considered wanting to make a change, and it could be maybe you want to sell your larger home and downsize into something smaller, more manageable. You know, what a great opportunity with, you know, depending on how much equity you have in your home to sell and, you know, pay cash for something, um, maybe to downsize into. Or maybe you've, you're, you're looking for something larger. You want a bigger home. Uh, to accommodate you and your family, then this would also be a great opportunity to put your house on the market and spend that equity to upsize into something uh, a little bit larger and use that equity to your advantage. And, um, you know, there's a lot of options out there, so make sure you're talking with your realtor um, and your lender. They can definitely point you in the right direction on how all that works. Yeah, the best way to find out how much equity you have in your home is to reach out to your real estate agent. Yes, because they can run um, the comps in your area and help you determine um, what your home would sell for. So hopefully we gave you guys some good insight for you buyers out there, whether you're a first-time home buyer or you're a... Uh, seller that's considering whether this is a good time for you to sell your home and either upsize or downsize but it you know make a change make a purchase um, by using the equity in your home um, it's a great time for everyone there's lots of programs out there and there are homes even though the inventory is low there are a lot of homes still selling so take everything into consideration reach out to your local realtor and you know, get some um, good advice, and you know, don't wait for the market to change because every day is a different day. That's true. Yeah. Well, I think the bottom line here is you probably have more equity in your home than you realize that you have. So reach out to your realtor to determine how much you have because that equity can make a big impact for you on your next purchase. Yes. And if you're a home buyer that doesn't have a home to sell, um, inventory's low, but there are still homes out there for you that are available and there are programs out there, down payment assistance programs are out there and there are options to help you you know, with that mortgage payment and with that rate. The sellers are making some concessions, some sellers, um, to help with that as well. So if you have any questions, we are here and available to help. Yeah, and don't be afraid to uh, go back to some of our previous episodes where we do uh, connect with lenders and financial advisors and you know, they can have a lot of great advice on what programs are out there or how you can manage your money to put you in a position to per be able to purchase a home. Okay, you guys, we will see you next Thirsty Thursday. Peace, love, and... Real estate.
So I overpaid for this house, and um, several years later, moving out of state, I needed to get rid of it. And of course, the markets went down, um, and I could not get rid of this house. I, so I had to get renters. Well, of course, the rent didn't even cover the mortgage. So I was taking a monthly loss on this house. Um, if I would have worked with somebody, a professional in that industry, I could have made a more informed decision about what I was doing at that time. Um, so just circling back on it as far as you know, somebody working with a financial advisor when they're purchasing a home for the first time, I think you need to, you know, you need to work with your your entire sphere of expertise in, in the market. So whether it's your real estate agent that's helping you buy the house, it's a, the mortgage person that's getting the right mortgage for you, it's your advisor that is going to say, okay, how are we going to pay for this? How is it going to affect your monthly budget? Um, are you getting into something that you shouldn't be getting into? Because, no offense, but as real estate agents, so many real estate agents are going to tell you, well, you can afford this much of a house. And, you know, uh, me as a financial advisor say, okay, well, you can afford that much of a house and take about a 50% 50, 50 haircut off of that. So, might be coming from a different perspective on that. Yeah, that's true. A lot of times working with clients, I tell them, when they're first starting to meet with a lender to see you know what kind of mortgage they can get and how much they're comfortable paying I always tell them you know you'll probably get pre-approved for something a lot higher than what you're what you can afford what what you're willing to pay so make sure that you have that conversation with your lender or your financial advisor on what exactly it is you're good paying as far as a mortgage so that makes sense. And if you have, if you've already done that financial plan, you already know this before coming into the home buying stage. You'll, you would have planned this thing out for six months, 12 months, two years before this stage. So you will know what the, uh, what's in your budget as far as what you can afford uh, and how it's going to affect your budget going forward. Now, the markets do change. So the even, you know, the real estate markets, you have hot times, you have cold times. Uh, so, you know, that's something that you have to be aware of. But if you get in a situation where I was, where I had to move out of state and then I couldn't get rid of my house, um, you know, I was taking a several hundred dollar month loss. And, you know, that, that affects my, my budget of that day. So, you know, you always want to advise your clients as far as what they can, they can realistically get into. Now, do you ever suggest pulling from your 401k for a down payment on a home? That's a tricky situation because it's, it, once again, it's going to be really client. It's going to be an individual case-by-case -case basis, I guess. Um, as a whole, I would say no. And there's a couple of different reasons. So let's talk about when you pull when you take a loan off your 401k, what it is. First of all, not everybody can pull from their 401k. Just because you have a 401k doesn't mean that your plan allows you to pull money from it. It may or may not. It all depends on what the plan sponsor and the, uh, the business set up at the time when they put the 401k in place. Now, People associate the term, I'm taking a loan for my 401k, and I'm going to 
pay it back with an interest. One of the benefits of that is it's not really a loan. You are pulling your own money. Um, so if it was coming to um, do a credit analysis on your end of whether they're going to qualify or not, um, the benefit of pulling for your 401k is it's not a debt ratio. It's not going to count towards uh, somebody's credit score because it is their money. The other part about that is uh, the interest rates as far as what you pull from your 401k tend to be very low. When you pay that interest back, you're actually paying yourself back. So it does go back into your whole investment. Um, so let's say you pull money out of your 401k, let's say you pull up 25,000 and you're charged a 1% interest rate on that. Um, the plan itself is going to give you the structure as far as how you pay that back and the time frames. Most time people pull from their 401k, it's for a short time frame. It's for one year. Um, you can pull longer, such as for the down payment of the house, and they might extend it to a five-year period. Uh, but even if you're looking at a 1% interest rate on that loan from your own 401k, you have to take into consideration as far as, well, what were you earning off that 401k? So if you historically were earning 8%, and you can't, and you can't say, well, historical numbers are earning you know, tell me what's going to happen in the future because it is markets, markets go up, markets go down. But if you're earning 8% over a historical period and you're paying a 1% interest rate on it, you're actually paying that 1% to yourself. So that's going to go back into it. Um, but that, that money that you pulled out is not in your 401k helping you earn. So you are losing, you know, whatever that interest rate or whatever that return on the investment rate was during that period that you pulled it out. So it's not that it's free. It's yeah. still costing you money. Um, so you're going to pay the full sum back into you your 401k? Have to, you have to pull, uh, pay the full sum back into your 401k. The other disadvantage of it, unlike getting a traditional uh, loan for a mortgage, is it's not tax deductible. So what you pull out of your 401k, you are not going to write that off on your taxes for the year. Um, so long term for pulling for a mortgage, uh, it, it does happen. I'm not, not going to say 100% of the time that people shouldn't do it. Is it the right course of action most of the time? Probably not. Um, the other thing about it is the interest rates, I know the interest rates are a little bit higher than what they were just a couple years ago, but they're still historically low. If you yeah. look over the past 30, 40 years, interest rates are still low. Um, so I don't know that you're necessarily going to, you're going to get the benefit out of pulling out your 401k. Um, if you pull a loan out of your 401k, and this is what uh, a lot of people are not aware of, and you leave your company, you need to pay that back. You have a window a 60-day window that you have to pay that loan back. If you don't pay it back um, and you're under 59 and a half, you're going to be assessed a 10% penalty for pulling out of your retirement account early and it's going to go against your income taxes for that year as, um, as income. So those are things to be aware of. So if somebody pulls out of their 401k 
for a down payment and then they have to pay it back within what was the time frame depends on what the plan uh, that plan has set up so most short-term loans are within a year so that would be a monthly payment that they're going to be making towards their i already pay that back yes and it's typically pulled from their paycheck so this is going to be something this is a good question i never thought of to check with a lender so if you're pulling money out of your 401k for a down payment how's that going to affect your your mortgage payment your pre-qualification mm-hmm. that's a good but you uh, you do about. have to really look at what your 401k plan shows uh, because they're all different and it, it just depends on how the plan was set up now if you're talking about an IRA account you can't do it at all you cannot pull a loan off your Roth IRA or your traditional IRA. What about pulling money out for remodels or home maintenance related to the house? Once again, I mean, what was the purpose of you setting up the 401k? It's for your retirement. If you are pulling something out of that retirement, um, just know how it's going to affect your plan going forward. Uh, you still have to pay it back. So. Um, I know Sherry, you and I talked about somebody pulling out of the 401k to do a kitchen remodel, I think you said, and then it's to flip a house and, and they're going to get it back. Are they going to be able to return that within a year? What if something happens with their, their job? Um, you know, those are things that they, they have to be aware of that, you know, okay, what if they can't sell the house? But now they have to pay back this loan to their 401k. The other part about it is what loan do they need? What amount do they need? So most plans are going to limit you at 50% of your balance or $50,000. So is that going to be enough for whatever you're trying to do? So once again, you really want to know what your 401k plan allows. It seems like it makes more sense to do a home equity loan for stuff like that rather than pulling out of your 401k. It really just depends, and that's, you know, I, I know I keep going back to it, but if you have a financial plan in place, mm-hmm. you know your roadmap. Well, yeah, I mean, earlier you were talking about there's options for people as far as if they know down the road they want to purchase a home or do remodels. There's other types of invest investments they can make. Yes, and to, that's to and that what we plan for. Okay, good to know. I'd always heard about the 401k. Always in my mind, I knew it was never a good idea to take from your 401k to purchase a home or do big purchases, and I never quite understood why. But now, I understand. Why. Yeah, and I, you know, yeah. I will say that there are those instances that it makes the most sense to do that. But um, you know, that's really when you want to talk with your professionals in the different industries to make sure it makes sense for your situation. Yeah. Now, is there anything happening with California legislation today that people need to know about? Oh, goodness, yes. In California, (laughs) we're like most states. But um, yes, so there is a bill that's going forward. Um, It's called AB 567, and it's on long-term care insurance. So the state of Washington last year became the first state to require long-term care for their citizens. Now, um, the California bill that they're working on is going to look quite different than the state of Washington, and California is one of about 20 states looking at this right now, but the cost for long-term care 
has skyrocketed and most people haven't planned for it. So um, think back to like Social Security. So many people believe that Social Security is their retirement savings. Social Security was never meant to be their retirement savings. It was meant to be a supplement to the retirement savings. Um, Long-term care planning is the same thing. Long-term care costs keep going up and people believe that Medicare is going to cover their long-term care. Medicare does not cover for long-term care in a extended period. Some people, depending on what type of supplement they have or a Medicare Advantage plan, might get 100 days of long-term care services, depending on what it is. But uh, you're not going to get that extended, you know, 17 months, which is the average stay right now for somebody in a long-term care facility. So California um, thinks it's best that they're going to go ahead and tax you for it. So they're working on a bill right now that if you do not have a individual long-term care plan, then you're going to go into a state-funded plan that you're going to be taxed. Um, and I can't tell you what that tax is going to be. I can tell you that state of Washington is 0.55% um, of income tax on W-2 earners. California is going to be, what they're talking about is going to be on all earners. And looking at what Washington's charging, it's not enough. So California, supposedly, um, we'll see what happens with it, is going to be about 1% of your income is going to be taxed for long-term care. The benefit amount we're talking about right now is between $3,000 and $6,000 a month. We're here in Fresno. The average long-term care right now in Fresno is $6,000. If you're in LA or San Francisco or San Diego, it's a whole lot more than it is Fresno. So you can see even what they're going to be charging you um, as far as the tax rate and what your benefits are, it will not be enough to cover your long-term care. So, so that's why it'll be a supplement. It's still a supplement, yeah. but they, the state wants to make sure that you have something as far as coverage. The other part about it is um, they're looking at a three to six month maximum to cover you. So if the average stay right now is, is 17 months and you're, what you're going to get out of the state funding is three to six months, you can see you're going to be yeah. short there as well. What happens? Um, what happens well, after you, you're cut off? What happens <laughs> a lot right now is uh, people spend everything they have and then they go on a Medi-Cal. And then what happens is Medi-Cal uh, will cover it and then once the individual passes away, then Medi-Cal will um, recover as much as they can from the individual's estate. Gotcha. Well, that was just a depressing way to end the podcast today, <laughs> Brendan. Like we should ask that well, question first. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, that's reality. He's just letting us know what's going on and what's coming up, what we can expect. And you can have a second drink after that one. Another. So oh. instead of having to work the first however many months a year to go towards your taxes. It'll probably be the first half of the year you work to pay taxes, and then what's the last six months you're actually, um, that's your savings. And just one follow-up <laughs> on that on the uh, bill is it's not expected to pass for a couple more years. However, they've already put a date as of January 1st of 2024 that you have to have your plan by. So if you do not get to plan this year, even if it passes in 2025, 
California is planning on going retroactively to tax you for it. Where do we get the plan from? Well, you want to get it through somebody that's licensed to do a long-term care insurance plan. Um, I do it as a financial advisor, but not all financial advisors do. Um, also, a lot of insurance agents will do long-term care. So once again, reach out to your advisor, reach out to your agent, reach out to me. So your financial advisor or your, your insurance, like your life insurance person. Yeah, and if they, if they don't do it, then they will likely know somebody that they can refer you to. Okay, perfect. Well, lots of great information today. Brandon, thanks for coming. Go home and snuggle your dog and make people a lot of money today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you guys thank all you, have Brandon. a blessed day. Yeah, we'll definitely have your information uh, listed on the podcast. So if anybody wants to reach out, has questions for you, they can reach you directly. Perfect. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, peace, love, and real estate.